everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Matthew Allen, who is a vice president at CVS Health focused on enterprise strategy, where he operates as a partner with the chief strategy officer. Thanks so much for joining us today, Matthew. Pleasure to be here. I want to start with something that we actually discussed before we hit the record button that struck with me. You said that you disagree with the premise that people are born leaders and instead everyone needs to build their own leadership muscle. Can you talk a little bit more about this premise and what you really mean by the leadership muscle? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think you could read unlimited sets of leadership books and learn thousands of leadership truisms. And each of them in their own right are probably good nuggets of information. But I think the reality is it's when and how you apply those leadership truisms that you start to build leadership muscle. And I think that concept of building leadership muscle has resonated for me throughout my career. In essence, testing, learning, failing, when and how to apply some of those leadership lessons. Again, I'm a firm believer in this at-bat mentality, meaning the more at-bats and experience you have in testing some of these leadership philosophies, the better you will get at honing in when and where to apply them. Well, you've definitely had some interesting at-bats over your career, and I want to get into that a little bit more because a topic that comes up frequently on the show is the concept of leading up and influencing others who are ahead of you in an organization as a key leadership skill. Given your background and, and path, what have you learned about how you can effectively influence those who are farther up the corporate ladder? It's a great question. And one that, again, just for a little bit of context, having spent time in management consulting, where we're working with leaders of Fortune 500s, or in my current role, where I have the privilege of interacting with some of our executive leadership. I say it's really around three areas, all under this general premise that, and I was told this early in career, look, at the end of the day, what you're trying to do in your current position is make your manager's job easier. And the way to do that is by One, setting expectations. It sounds easy, but it's actually really hard in practice, right? So being explicit on what you can and cannot achieve over a given time period, and frankly, holding your ground a little bit and helping leaders understand what the trade-offs are in prioritizing one thing over another. Something else that's really interesting here as you manage up is knowing when to push for clarity and frankly, when to figure it out on your own. There's a careful dance that you do. And again, some of this comes with this at-bat principle, right? Where you learn when and where is appropriate to ask for further clarity, direction, guardrails, and guidance. And when the expectation is frankly for you as a leader and as a manager of others to figure it out on your own. And that sort of, I guess the last piece is bringing solutions, not problems. Once you reach a certain point, you are essentially part of the cohort that can no longer bring problems. You are expected to bring the solution. And frankly, being proactive and looking around corners is a way to ensure that you have the position and authority to lead up. So again, I'll just quickly replay that, right? Expectation setting, knowing when to push for clarity and when to figure it out on your own, and then bringing solutions, not problems. I would say fundamentally, these are the three pieces, at least in my personal experience, that have found success in leading up. Hmm. I like that as a jumping off point. And I also, I thought a lot about something that you'd spoken about in the past, this concept of a 
leadership skills recipe, or, or I guess said another way, this broad set of transferable skills that maybe all bosses look for in their employees. Can you expand on this topic and talk a little bit about for some of maybe our early in the career listeners, how can you develop those skills? Yeah, I would say the hard skills are likely role specific, but what all leaders look for in a team are some of the, but sometimes get misnomered as soft skills. But I think these three or four things are absolutely fundamental to an individual and eventually to a leader's success. And I'll start with some of the obvious ones. So empathy. I think it's critical that we as leaders assume best intentions. And we shouldn't assume that we know where someone is mentally, physically, emotionally on any given day. And so we give folks the benefit of the doubt. And curiosity is absolutely critical, especially early in career, saying yes. And again, I know that you know, we could have a whole debate on the appropriate balance of when to say yes and when to say no. I'm a firm believer, especially early on, that you lean towards yes. You get those experiences and at-bats that we spoke of earlier. And we do that by having a sense of curiosity and joy and interest in a certain subject, no matter how mundane. And the last two pieces, one is around flexibility. So being open to course correction, redirection. We don't live in a black and white world, especially in my world. We're thinking about scenarios, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and embracing uncertainty. And the last piece I'll speak to, Matt, is courage. I heard this quote once, and I can't recall who the actual author or owner is, but this concept that great leaders build monuments with the stones thrown by their critics... I think leadership really demands courage. And you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have signposts and, and that support redirection or having the level of understanding of when to course correct. But if you have conviction and courage behind something, I mean, that really jumps out. And I think that's part of this recipe, sort of a leadership skills recipe that become really important as you grow in career. And frankly, as you they're broadly transferable across many career settings. Let's use that to talk a little bit more about your path, your personal path. Do you have a defining moment in getting you to the place you are today that you look back from a career perspective or from a leadership perspective that was maybe a fork in the road moment or, or something that you fondly look back on? This might be controversial, Matt, but I would say I would say no. In fact, what defined my career are some of the traits that we just talked about, the curiosity and flexibility and saying, yes, I think what's defined my career are great mentors and leaders, not necessarily roles or jobs. And so I would point to, again, a bit of a, a formula as we think about career progression. It's never been, look, I need to get X before I get to Y, before I get to Z. It's about, you know, where are there interesting problems to be solved? Where do I see leaders who are exciting and I'm eager to work with? And then where can I be surrounded by a team of really smart people who have that same level of curiosity and courage? A question that we get frequently from listeners who reach out, they ask about tools or frameworks that our guests utilize or the companies that they work for utilize that they've implemented to success to make their jobs easier, to make them more effective at their jobs. One you told me about was this concept of the leadership management quotient. Can you share how everybody, maybe even those working at small startups all the way to large organizations like yours can utilize this framework? Yeah, absolutely. And I will be transparent. I stole this from a professor in business school. I've tweaked it to apply to some of the career settings that I've been in. But I'll never forget, uh, he 
literally picked up a, a three-legged stool, put it on top of his desk and sat up there and said, look, there are three key components of management. And it's interesting as I've played around with this framework, one other thing that comes to mind, I'll sort of bridge the gap here is this idea of a happiness quotient. Again, I listen to way too many podcasts, so I can't necessarily tell you which one or from whom, but they spoke about autonomy, progress, and belonging. And then as I thought about our conversation, those are directly related to the three-legged stool that I'm about to walk through. So one, part one is really setting clear aspirations and boundaries, right? So having alignment with your team, with your leader around a goal or set of goals, to me, that speaks to belonging. Folks want to have that collective goal or set of goals. So it directly relates to that happiness quotient. The second part is performance measurement, right? So how do we ensure that we're actually making progress towards that goal? And progress is the second part of that happiness quotient. So again, clear ties there. The third part is around decision rights. It's one thing to have a clear set of goals with the right boundaries, a clear set of performance metrics that demonstrate progress. But then it's the final piece is ensuring that people have the right decision autonomy to go act and deliver. And again, that's sort of that third piece of the happiness quotient around folks wanting control and autonomy. And so to me, I feel like this basic framework can be broadly applied in any career setting, with any job, or frankly, with any sort of conversation or decision that we all face on a regular sort of day-to-day basis. One of my favorite questions to ask guests is the quintessential advice for your younger self. So if I put that question to you, what do you wish you had known when you started out? If you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? You know, we talk a lot about the glass being half full, and this idea that we all should operate with the growth mindset. What I wish I knew <laughs> earlier is that you have to work to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Every activity, even the mundane, sort of represents a learning opportunity. I would have pushed myself to really appreciate that more early on instead of striving for the most exciting opportunity is trying to take a step back and appreciate the value and the opportunity that has been presented to you. And so I'll give you another quick aside, something that was fairly mundane, right? Writing talking points for one of our leaders as they go communicate to our our shareholders and our investors. It was during that that we actually learned about a recent change in a government program that we were largely overlooking in one of our core businesses. So finding excitement, joy, and interest in some of the mundane activities we do to ensure that we're keeping that glass half full is probably something I wish I would have learned a lot earlier in my career. It's a wonderful stepping off point to what I wanted to be my last question before we moved into the rapid fire questions. I've talked to some people on this show who work for small startups, some people who work for much more well-known companies. You work for a very well-known company. How do you handle a company being at a company that is in the news? How do you handle from a leadership perspective, understanding the external factors and the internal factors that maybe impact what it takes to be a leader at a well-known global company? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the value of working for an organization of our size and scale, right, 300,000 employees, is our ability to communicate mission and impact. So, you know, what keeps me motivated is this concept of using business as a change agent for good. I think it's a lot easier to do that 
when you're working for an organization that has the scale and potential impact than sometimes it is for a small startup or a growth-oriented company that's focused on a very niche part of a customer's experience. But hopefully that helps address the question. I know you articulated sort of the external and internal factors. I will tell you, it's also pretty exciting to be able to have the conversations with people that interact with our you know, front store on a day-to-day basis. But it's also challenging too, right? Because they assume CVS equals, you know, where I get my prescriptions or CVS equals where I pick up some of the, you know, candy or, or ibuprofen on my way to Thanksgiving. It's actually a fun challenge to help them try to understand the broader impact and mission. But it's also a good push for us as we think about our brand and our relevance as an organization. Again, I could talk about this for the rest of our time together because I'm super passionate about the impact that we want to have as an organization. But I'll pause there and see if there's any other places we want to go here today. No, that was a perfect spot and a really nice lead in to uh, the rapid fire questions to get back to a little bit of you personally and your leadership style. And the first rapid fire question that I get to ask all of our guests is this, if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. I would say empathy. Again, what I've come to realize is work is just one part of a person's life. It's an important part for sure. And we spend a lot of time there. But if we don't realize the level of, I guess, sort of impact all those features outside of work have on an individual, it's hard to get the best out of individuals. So again, leading with empathy is the front and center for me. And our final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Hopefully this is uh, going on the general themes that we've captured today. It's this concept of perspective that always keeping everything you're doing in perspective. And you can take that in two ways. So on one hand, it's the broader impact of the work that you're doing. Again, this might be trite, and I'm sure we've all seen or heard examples like this, but it's the... Uh, the janitor who works for NASA, who's asked, what do you do for a living? And he says, I put people on the moon, right? I think the other side of perspective is the relative stakes and the relative value of the activity that you are undertaking. Look, if Matt, if you decide that these answers I'm giving you are insufficient and this never gets aired, will I be disappointed? Yes. Will I still have sort of a family to go home to and to have discussions with my daughters. It's about keeping things in perspective. If I make mistakes in a presentation, or even if I go as far as making a recommendation that leads us down a wrong path, kudos to the brain surgeons who are having that impact and what they do. But the reality is, you know, I think my job's important, but it's all relative, right? And so keeping things in perspective is super important for us. Well, keeping things in perspective is a wonderful spot to close us out. I can confirm that this this show will air. So your wonderful uh, <laughs> feedback and advice will hit our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? It's been an absolute privilege. I know you've had a lot of really impressive folks on this podcast. So appreciate the opportunity. I would point to LinkedIn. I'm a pretty active LinkedIn user. I can sometimes be hard to find given my pretty uh, generic name, Matthew Allen. But if you type in the CVS Health after that, it should be pretty easy to to look me up. And I look forward to connecting to uh, a bunch of folks following uh, this conversation. 
Well, thank you for all the great insight. And as always, thanks to our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Ability Sims. And you can find our organization at ability.com. I want to thank Matthew again for joining us on this episode. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. This podcast is produced by Ability, a leading provider of award-winning leadership development. You can find us at www.ability.com or by searching for Ability Leadership Development. Make sure to also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini MBA, The Invited MBA, a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. Find more information at www.invitedmba.com. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. We want to thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. 